This week on the I Love Funny Women podcast. Begging for my vaccine so I can get out there and take on bad guys and do stand-up again. Outside in 19 degree weather, my audience is sitting around fire pits. You don't get to be like standing in the street saying you care about black lives when you can't stand up to your douchey racist cousin. And I was like, I can't open this card that says you're my favorite in front of my siblings when my dad just died. Welcome to the I Love Funny Women podcast with your host, Dina Nina. Hello and welcome back for another episode of the I Love Funny Women podcast. I am your host, Dina Nina, and what a week it has been. If you didn't watch the Eurovision Song Contest and you're planning on watching the semifinals or the grand finals, then you might want to skip ahead like 30 seconds because spoilers. All right. So the production was wonderful. It definitely felt scaled back after a long pandemic, but it was still amazing. Nikki DeJager, who's also known as Nikki Tutorials, looked stunning the entire time. And all of my picks made it to the grand finals. So all of the participating countries give their 12 points, and then the public vote is counted and added to the country's votes, which makes this contest so insanely unpredictable. Once the country's votes were in, it was Switzerland number one, France number two, and Malta. Of course, you guys know I love Malta. And then the whole world turned upside down when the televotes came in. It was insane. It put the top five with Ukraine at number five, Iceland at number four. I love Iceland. They're so cute. (laughs) Number three, Switzerland. And nobody could look more Swiss if they tried. Like, he was so cute and so Swiss. Second place went to France, uh, Barbara with Voila Voila, and it was like Edith Piaf meets 2021. It was, it's gorgeous. But you guys, Italy won first place with their hard rock song. Like, it was so weird, and they came up from behind, and it was insane. The best part of the night was when Iceland came on to give their 12 points, and it was the guy from the Eurovision Song Contest, the Story of Fire Saga movie, that said, play ya ya ding dong. And he came on and said, Iceland calling and our 12 points go to Yaya Ding Dong. And you guys, he committed to it so hard and then finally gave a disappointed 12 points to Switzerland. It, it was glorious. I'm so obsessed with it. Also, you guys, I got my first cover this week. I'm on the cover of June's Madison Magazine and I'm so honored. And y'all, I look so good. Also, Madison Magazine, thank you for airbrushing out my extra chance. We would love to hear from you. Post a video on Instagram, tag at I Love Funny Women with the hashtag HeyDina, and you could be on the podcast or even on our YouTube. And if you could also give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'd be so grateful. Because when you give your reviews, we get more visibility on the platform, and then everyone wins. Hey, this is Dora Girl Greg, and you're listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. If you're in Madison and you've always wanted to try stand-up comedy, I have a class starting on June 6th, Stand Up Level 1. And we're also celebrating Pride Month both in real life and online. So Extra AF Comedy's Pride Online is June 3rd and it's free. But if you're in the Madison, Wisconsin area, Extra AF Comedy's Madison Pride and two-year anniversary celebration is June 17th at Crucible. And we're so excited. It'll be my first time back on stage. And you can get all your tickets and find out about all the events 
at ladylaughscomedy.com. And now to the news. Our continued fight to save reproductive health care has taken another blow as the strictest anti-abortion bill in the country was signed into law by, you guessed it, Texas Governor Greg Abbott. The law effectively bans all abortions after six weeks, including in cases of rape and incest. It only has a medical emergency exception. The new law allows for private citizens to sue any doctor accused of performing an abortion, the person who got the abortion, and anyone who helped them get that abortion. We're wondering if women are able to sue dudes that get them pregnant to begin with. That might encourage men to put a condom on. Oh, but wait, men aren't involved in the creation of children. They just like to ask them out on dates. Yes, we're talking about you, Matt Gates. Since the state of Texas isn't enforcing the law, there is no one for them to sue in order to block the bill. All of this as the Supreme Court will be taking on the Mississippi case that bans abortions after 15 weeks. The case would not overturn Roe v. Wade, but if the courts rule in favor of Mississippi, it could overturn much of the progress achieved over the last 50 years and could encourage sweeping restrictions across the country. And since the GOP packed the courts with conservatives in a manner consistent with their gross hypocrisy, we can expect a huge battle for the right to choose. Now where are all those anti-maskers chanting my body my choice? Is disclosure just around the corner? And by disclosure I'm not talking about Matt Gates admitting to being a total twat, but UFOs. The recent leak of Navy footage showing a UFO or UAP, unidentified aerial phenomenon, has been confirmed and now everyone's all a tither waiting for the greys to come down and say take me to your leader. Even President Obama weighed in on the issue in a chat with James Corden, in which he said, well, when it comes to aliens, there are some things I just can't tell you on air. His acknowledgement of the existence of UAP has left us with the biggest question of all. Is Obama an alien? This takes birtherism to a whole new level. Ted Cruz is yet again facing criticism. I mean, did it ever stop? Cruz took to Twitter, which has been the downfall of many a politician, to retweet a Russian army ad beside a U.S. army ad, the first dripping with toxic masculinity and Russian propaganda, and the other touting the diversity of our military with a female soldier with two moms. Cruz's tweet said, perhaps a woke emasculated military is not the best idea. Of course, the masses took to the tweet like a duck on a June bug. Yeah, I said it. Ripping his promotion of Russian propaganda while many high-ranking military officials supported the officer's service because women fucking rock. Also, can you imagine how pissed these lesbian moms are? They probably wouldn't even let her play with water guns and now she joined the fucking army? And finally, just when I thought I was finished with the news and my pride for finally not mentioning this woman dashed to the ground, she's back and more moronic than ever. Friday night, Marjorie Taylor Greene went on Real America's Voices and compared mask mandates to Nazi Germany. When given the chance on Saturday to clear the record, this is what she said. I said nothing wrong. I stand by what I said. This is more than irresponsible. It's disgusting. And Marjorie Taylor Greene should be removed from office for her reckless and baffling rhetoric, or at least tied to a pole on a gay pride float and tortured with glitter and disco music until she agrees to go away to her toad hole. That's all the news we have for this week. Now let's check in with our resident sextrologist, Renee Hyden. Welcome to the Cosmic University. We're getting a full moon that will lovingly paddle us with some truth, an eclipse that's rubbing some vital energy so that we can communicate with honesty and compassion just in time for Mercury's retrograde's final exam. I'm your headmistress and sextrologist, Renee Hyden, and this is another Sex with the Stars. 
on the 24th, we have an epic frat boy full moon eclipse in Sagittarius. This movement will have us seeking for the truth. It could be a bit painful, but it's time that we face that darkness so that we can diffuse some of that pain. Like Patty, the skin after a nice whipping. On the other side of that movement, the sun is synergizing its energies with the collective north node in Gemini, bringing in vital energy to develop our ability to communicate. Hello? Next door, Venus and Mercury are scissoring within orb, merging energies and empowering us to speak to one another more lovingly, which is my favorite kind of scissoring. Okay, with this eclipse, you'll feel a big shift that will help cut some ties that you've been avoiding. Take advantage of this extra thrust oh. of compassion that will tinge our communications with a well-needed softness and gentleness that our partners and loved ones genuinely deserve. So lay it on thick. Let your tongue drip honey and let your honey drip on your love up. <laughs> Expect to be talking to each other with more compassion and share things you may not have been saying to one another. If you have struggles saying what you need to say, you have celestial support to compassionately speak the words you need with love. Venus is on the other side of this eclipse. She has your back. Yes, she does. <laughs> More thrusting, please. Here we go again. Mercury goes in retrograde. You're not being punished. Unless you like that. Yes, please. This retrograde is beckoning us to slow down. Think about what we've already learned this week with the eclipse. This retrograde is here to assist you, not to implode your brain. Step back, ask your guides, ask your higher self, and bring it into your heart center, asking exactly what you need to comprehend the situation. Look into my crystal ball. If the answers are muddled, you may just have to bite the bullet and ask your partner oh no anything but that let your communication during this time be filled with the truth love and compassion that you and your partner need instead of running around like a chicken with its wi-fi cut off <laughs> i'm your resident sextrologist renee hyden and this has been an exciting sex with the stars i'll drip it on over to you honey lady Thank you so much, Renee. You can find Renee on Instagram at Renee Hyden Soul Therapy. Hey, this is Door Girl Greg. Thank you for listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. If you haven't by now, you should really go to the socials and check out at I Love Funny Women on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. Because really, what else are you going to do? So if you missed our virtual show in March, well, don't fear because you can watch it over at ilovefunnywomen.com and also get your merch. And today we have that interview from the March date. I absolutely adore this woman. She's the co-creator of The Daily Show and the co-founder of the organization Abortion Access Front. So here's my interview with the phenomenal Liz Winstead. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? You know. I'm 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 quarantining and uh, at my wits end like uh, the rest of America, begging for my begging for my vaccine so I can so I can get out there and take on bad guys and do stand up again. I love it. Isn't it like just give me the vaccine? I'm fine. Well, and it's interesting too because I'm quarantining in Minnesota where I'm from. I uh, but I also live in Brooklyn. And uh, you know, I came here to quarantine because it's easier to be outside and my family's here, yada yada. And then my whole team, like they just opened up 7,000 vaccines in New York City. 
and everybody's getting them. And I was like, wait, I could have been one of those people. Like, what is happening? I'm making all the wrong choices. <laughs> Story of my life. Uh, and of course, here in Wisconsin, there is no vaccine to be had, I feel like. They no, in fact, I have to tell you that like, I, I just recently rescued a dog and I drove to Ohio to get the dog. And um, drove, driving through Wisconsin was like people just daring each other to have a death wish. No masks. If you had a mask on, people would just give you side eye. Like, look, whore, why do you have a mask on? You're, you're ruining my freedom by wearing a mask. I was like, I'm not sure that's how it works, but okay. Guy at the car, guy at the love, road stop. Like, okay. Yeah, it was crazy. What is happening in Wisconsin? No one's wearing I, any mask anywhere. I, at all. And one of my friends messaged me and was like, they're just having like normal life over here in the middle of Wisconsin. And we're in Madison wearing our masks, pretending like everything's falling apart. Yeah, what, I don't understand Wisconsin. I don't, I don't either. <laughs> there's Madison and then there's Milwaukee and then there's greater uh, Masconia, <laughs> anti-Masconia. <laughs> That's the new country I've just invented. And it's a good country. Well, it's also uh, the same people to screaming about their, th th my body, my choice. Same people who are outside of clinics protesting. I saw one bitch. She was literally had a protest sign that said, I will not mask my unborn child. And I'm like, how are you wearing pants? Like you already are. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you think you're doing, but you're just stop your analogies are terrible i know the moment that they started yelling my body my choice i was like but um excuse me what but except for whose body now like oh i'm sorry putting a piece of cloth over your face so people don't die is oppressive to you but standing outside of a clinic screaming about somebody else's body and last time i checked you can't get pregnant from someone if you're standing less than six feet away from them and also you wear a condom so that's technically a mask i i don't know all of it's crazy um so during this pandemic you've been pretty um productive <laughs> because you filmed a new comedy special i did i did i um so i my cop for those that don't know me you know dina said you know i'm the co-creator of the daily show and my comedy is very much current events driven. And uh, this has been the wildest year on record for responding to the world and calling out hypocrisy. You know, we had, uh, you know, COVID-19 and then we had systemic racism, which I call COVID-16-19, you know, and then we just had Trump 20, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, right? So a lot of pandemics happening all the same time. And that, and then, yeah, and comedy clubs were closed. And so I was like, oh my God, I'm a person who responds to the world. There's no place for me to do it. I guess I'm going to have to get all Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland, get some curtains, do a thing and figure out how to do a show. So I, uh, since I'm from Minnesota, I, uh, I put a list out to my Minnesota mailing list. And I said, if I do a socially distanced comedy show, on the shore of a lake and 20 people are in kayaks watching, would you come? And I had 300 responses. So the first 20 people uh, came and, you know, Minnesota's like Wisconsin. There's a jillion lakes here. And I have a friend who has a 
a house on a lake, which is not fancy in Minnesota. People just have houses on lakes. It's sort of <laughs> like, you know, you can live on the freeway or a lake, you know, take your pick. And so he let me use this shoreline, this private shoreline and um, his and lawn. And so I had made a picnic for each person, individual. People were spaced out 10 feet apart, having a picnic before. And then they came and I provided them kayaks. And then they watched the show from kayaks. I built the stage with my friend, hung lights. Um, everybody came and, and you know, it was a crew of just 10 and we were all socially distanced. And then I, I shot it in September and I realized in the middle of me doing the show, this is how we all have like COVID brain, you know, you don't think things all the way through clear, where it's like, I can't do a show about the world we live in without having some kind of election results in place. So as I wrapped the show, I decided, okay, now I'm gonna do something crazy. I'm gonna shoot the second half of the show in the dead of freezing cold after the election results come in. So the show is in two parts. It's the first part on the lake and the second part is outside in 19 degree weather. My audience is sitting around fire pits in this wooded area. And then I just go through the second half of the year. And so it's kind of a year in review shot in two outdoor parts with everyone socially distanced. And um, it was really, it was actually a super incredible experience because a lot of folks said to me, this is the first time I've been out at all in like nine months. Uh, it was a lot of people who had experienced violence or right. experienced death because of COVID. Uh, and they desperately needed somebody to put it all into perspective and and, and what I like to do with my comedy is hold bad guys accountable or stupid people accountable. You know, those are kind of, that's kind of my criteria, right? So to be able to, um, you know, take on all of the bumbling and fuckery around COVID and then also to sort of claim responsibility for the Karens of the world. You know, a lot of time super hip people are like, oh, look at that white lady, she's a Karen. I'm like, you know what? You don't get to abdicate yourself because you've identified a Karen. If you're one of those lamos that's like, fuck the Karens, but then when you go home for Thanksgiving, you're like, how do I confront my racist relatives? It's too hard. Like, you don't win. You don't get to be like standing in the street saying you care about Black lives when you can't stand up to your douchey racist cousin. Like, no. So, you know, to be able to um, look through my own personal lens and 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 just bring bring how I experienced this entire time uh, to a comedy show, it was, it was really fun. And it was really, a lot of it is sometimes I'm just like in the middle of my show going, Oh, was that just an observation? That's not particularly funny. Just a little bit too real. All right. And then I just let that shit in because I'm just like, we're all so raw that I don't even know what a comedy special looks like anymore. Right. In this world that we live in, I'm just like barfing things out. Hopefully it's funny. You know, I've been writing it all year. It was all material I'd never said before. So it's all untested comedy. I have notes, you know, it's very loose, um, but it's beautiful to look at. And um, it was a real lesson in, if you wanna do shit, man, then you get it done. There's, yeah. no, there's no reason to sit back and wait. There's no reason to be like, oh, I can't do a show. Sure you can. 
It's yeah. just a question of whether or not you're gonna uh, you're gonna do it. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I I love that. I just love the whole concept and and watching what I did of it and seeing the two parts and seeing how just your heart was poured into everything, all of it. Like I could tell that you took your creativeness, your heart, and just kind of made the stage. And, and I just am so fascinated with it and I love it so much. And um, I love that you're doing things. I love that you're in the world. <laughs> well, it's so interesting too, because not to be Debbie Downer, but um, another reason that I came back to Minnesota was because I became a caregiver for my sister who was in the last stages of ALS. And uh, one of the things she said to me was, um, as I transition away from earth, I need you to validate me as a whole person the whole time I'm going through this. Because when you have ALS, you keep your brain and your body starts to deteriorate and your speech and everything. And, and eventually it's hard for you to communicate. Mm -hmm. So she's like, I, you know, and she was an artist and a writer and very verbal and super funny. And, you know, just one of my best friends. And so she was like, do this show. This is great. And run your material by me. And, you know, let me, you know, nod and laugh and go like, no, you know, so that I can feel like my whole life is an ALS. And so that was like this other catalyst to do it. And it was pretty, um, it was pretty incredible to be able to horn things out and work things out with her. And she passed away September 1st and I taped it on um, September I, around like the 15th. And I, I remember like, you know, a week before she died, I was like, do you still want me to do this? And she was like, you know, as much as she could, she would like would, to go like this, like, yes. Yeah. So it was pretty, um, it was pretty incredible. So it was a very big thing on a lot of levels. And, and if I might, and I didn't just do a comedy show in the middle of the show, I had an interview with one of my favorite activist friends from the Twin Cities, uh, a black trans woman named Andrea Jenkins, who's the first black trans woman to ever um, get elected to public office. And she and I sit down in the middle of the show. I didn't want to put her at the end. I wanted to weave it all in. And we sit down and talk about racism. We talk about violence towards trans women. We talk about, you know, what, what does allyship look like? Um, what does accountability look like? And it was really cool to be able to have, talk about defunding the police and really hard things to talk about um, with somebody who's just really brilliant and really amazing. And um, from the perspective that you don't hear very much, which is a black trans woman who is on the city council of Minneapolis, who is from George Floyd's district. She represents the neighborhood George Floyd was killed. So um, the whole show is really encapsulates 2020 in a way that makes you mad. Uh, you'll shed a tear, you'll feel encouraged, you'll laugh. It's good. I mean, I, 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 I'm really proud of it. I, I, that just sounds so incredible that you're going through this grieving process and you're creating at the same time. And I just think it's so beautiful because a lot of us will get really uh, pressured in staying still when we're in grief and when we're mourning the loss of someone. Well, yeah, and I think there's no, there's no wrong or right way to grieve. You know, I feel like I would never tell anyone how to grieve, but the best piece of advice that somebody gave me um, a while ago, I think it was when my mom died and they said, 
one way that will be really helpful for you is if you make sure you understand your purpose as you are on this earth, really having coming and knowing and feeling what your purpose is means that the grief has a place in your life, but it doesn't take over your life because you know that you've got to get on with your purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I say to everyone, find your purpose. It sounds so woo woo, but it's really, really true because grief is a part of our lives always. You know, it comes, it, it's, it ebbs and flows. It doesn't go away. And so like understanding that you just have to move on and do your thing. And what are people counting on you for? What is it that people need from you to make their lives better? You know, know what that is. And you'll really, um, you'll really be able to find peace and fulfillment with, with your grieving. You just will. That, yeah. that I can promise you. That's so good. And you never have to apologize for being woo-woo with me because you I know. know. I know. You are Susie woo-woo. I know. It's so true. <laughs> so, so Susie woo-woo. Um, since we're talking about this, and I know a lot of my friends and are going through a lot of that grief, how has humor assisted you through grief and, and through the hardest parts of your life? You know, I feel lucky in a lot of ways that I come from a family of humor my parents were both hilarious. Um, humor is a way we have always sort of dealt with things. Um, it's a gift I can offer people when they're grieving. And it's also like, I have found humor in the most morbid of times in my own life, as have both of my parents. When both of my parents died, they played practical jokes to us within their own deaths. I'll tell you the story of my dad because it is truly astounding. So yeah. when my dad knew that he had six months to live, um, he sent me a card um, and, it and it said, don't open this card until after my death. And I was like, okay. And then like 10 minutes later, of course I opened the card. And the card says, um, I love you so much, you're my favorite don't tell the others. It's so sweet, right? <laughs> so um, when we got the call that my dad was in hospice, my mom um, said to us, I know your dad sent all of you cards. I didn't know that. Um, bring those cards with you when you come um, because it, it could bring you comfort um, when he passes. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, shit, okay. I'd already read my card. So I put it back in the envelope and you know, glued it back up. And, um, and we all get there in time and my dad dies and it's 10 minutes after my dad dies and we're sitting with the body. I have five kids in my family. And my mom says, did you all bring the card, your card? And we're like, yeah. And she's like, okay, I would love you to open them and read them. And I was like, I can't open this card that says you're my favorite in front of my siblings when my dad just died, this is the worst. And she's like, I really want you to just open one by one and read. And it was like, is this Let's really happening? You, Liz. Is this really <laughs> happening? So she goes, Liz, you go first. And I was like, okay. So I'm sitting there thinking I could lie and just say something to not hurt people's feelings or I could do the truth. And I was like, fuck. Um, so I, um, I open my card and I'm like, fuck it, I'll just, I'm just gonna read it and everyone's gonna have to go to therapy. Um, so I'm like, 
it says, um, it says, Liz, I love you so much. You're my favorite. And at that moment, all of my other siblings said, don't tell the others. He sent that card to every one of my siblings and he and my mom planned this so that we would have a laugh right <laughs> after he died. And we were all crying and sobbing. And the fact that my mom who lost her husband of like 58 years was like honoring this wish when her life was shattered 10 minutes after he died. It was incredible. It was incredibly hilarious and so funny and special and super indicative of like who my family is. So to me, humor always plays a role because it is part of the fabric of who you are. You know, it's one of those things that comes again in and out. It can, it can, you can have a joke and have something serious in the same breath. Yeah. So, you know, I am, I'm a big fan of using humor to heal always. Let's talk about abortion access front. Okay. Um, I love what you do because you educate through humor with that organization. What is happening? What are you guys doing right now? I yeah. Know podcast. Yeah, it's the hardest thing. You know, it's one of the things that we do is, you know, we are a collective of comics and writers and, and activists and, and producers who really wanted to use our art to raise awareness around the issue of abortion and, and, and ruin stigma. And, and, and be able to kind of, with abortion, it's like one of the hardest topics there is to talk about. And part of that is because we have allowed the right wing to define it for us as a, as a society, for okay. ourselves. And so no one's ever been able to really have their own opinion that wasn't steeped in what an acceptable way to feel about abortion, right? So we wanna give people the opportunity to say, um, if you got pregnant on one night stand and you're like, I don't want to be pregnant anymore. I need an abortion and you move on with your life. We want that to feel okay. We want to honor people who have wanted pregnancies and who are struggling and everyone in between everyone's abortion is different. Right. And using humor to especially, um, expose these Royal douchebags who just like say stuff. That's so like the people we were talking about earlier, right? The, my body, my choice, I won't wear a mask people. You know, there's plenty of humor to be mined. Um, normally we go out on the road and we do these shows um, and they're kind of comedy variety shows where we have comedians and sometimes musicians and then we have conversations with the uh, abortion providers in in the towns we're in and the activists doing the work and then our audience really learns the state of abortion rights in their state, how they can be helpful. We have booths set up at each show and with COVID that's all changed, right? So what we have done, which is pretty cool, is um, we've been doing online conversations that are fun and funny and informative. We started a mutual aid program so that um, every clinic, they have a ton of needs and you can adopt a clinic. Uh, we always have a thank bank program, which is send thank you cards to your local providers so that they know that there is support and love within their communities. And we've also started a big project, which is an informational, um, a, like it's an informational hub called Hypocrites Unmasked. And under Hypocrites Unmasked, we break down all the different kinds of um, anti-abortion organizations uh, that are working in the in in um, in and around because they are very intersectional in their hate. They're anti-trans. They're anti-immigrant. They're anti-Muslim. And so we really want to educate people um, who these organizations are, wh where they're located, 
and how you can get involved in calling them out and exposing them. And so it's been very cool to be able to, um, you know, they've gone online too with their big events. And so we go and, um, and like plan giant um, fact checking uh, in the comments of each of their speeches with, with experts and with, with facts where you can just take them down. Um, we've been successful in having um, some organizations removed for just lying. Um, and so we've been really active online trying to um, get the word out of who these people are, what they're doing and how much influence they have. Not only just, you know, as we've seen with the people at the Capitol, storming the Capitol, um, because we have had this um, research arm in place and have developed these websites, when that happened, we were able to quickly identify 20 people from the anti-abortion movement who were also uh, at the insurgent and turn them over to the FBI. And that felt really cool, right? And um, so, but it's the same kind, it's the same people. And so all the feelings that people are having and learning about what these white supremacy and what these white nationalist movements are doing, they are, um, they're also rooted in the anti-abortion movement. A lot of these people, the parallels are there. And sometimes it's just a straight, straight up intersection. It's not even a parallel. And so to be able to let folks know um, where they're at, where their churches are at, the kind of things that they espouse. Um, and some of them are getting elected uh, to state and local governments. Some are holding office in Washington, DC. So just to get people, um, help them be broader in their thinking about who these people are is really good and, and creating bigger coalitions and asking people to really um, put their foot down around having these people, um, holding them accountable, holding the people who uh, support them accountable. So um, that's been really fun. And then we also just have really fun events. We have a great event coming up in March. It's a big fundraiser, but we're having a um, sort of a mystery science theater riff along to Dirty Dancing the funniest, uh, the, the best movie ever made starring Patrick Swayze about abortion. And we have Guy Branham and Morgan Murphy and Helen Hong and myself doing the riffing along with the movie. And we're creating a really fun party kit for it. And, um, you know, we'll have a little drink special and we'll have all this kind of fun stuff. So that's in March 25th. And you can find out all the stuff about our organization at aafront.org. And you can just click on resources and it, there's a pull down tab and you can sign up to volunteer. You can sign up to get our email list. You can, you, you can just get everything you need about everything I'm saying right there. Uh, it's really fun. And it's kind of takes, um, instead of thinking that you have to carve out time for your activism, we help you, we help you um, incorporate your activism into your life. So it's something you already do that you're good at, some expertise you have. We just kind of fold that right in and and help you figure out how you can uh, help preserve um, reproductive rights and bodily autonomy for that matter. Cause we wanna make sure that anybody who needs reproductive rights, whatever that means for their body, um, that we protect those rights. I love that so much. Um, I love what you do and I'm so grateful that you are so inclusive in it. Uh, the last thing I want to ask you before we let you go is You've been doing comedy for a long time. How have you seen comedy change um, over the years? You know, I think what I've seen and I feel excited about is um, I've seen it transition into the hands of the performers, which has been really great. We were so hell bent on 
um, living or dying by some cis white guy's uh, opinion of what he thought comedy was going to be, right? Yeah. And now um, we have we have like this festival and your Lady Last festival and you know women and queer folks and everybody. Um, taking control. Also, I just actually just wrote this tirade about cancel culture because I think it's not a thing that's real. It's bullshit. And um, it's, it's again, more last gasp of like, I want to be as cruel and um, irrelevant as possible. And I'm too lazy to actually embrace what's happening. Um, and I feel that because I've been around long enough, I deserve an audience and I just deserve blanket respect and a pass. And it's like, no one deserves anything. In comedy, you get, what you get is what comes out of your mouth. That's the respect you get from that time only. And then the next time it's a new slate. So I feel like um, there's been a lot of whining from people who've held power uh, for a really long time. And a lot of it has been mediocrity. Um, and if you're complaining that you can't drag down other people anymore because they actually have a voice now. Um, here's something you could do. Uh, Decenter yourself, work to empower everyone. And if everyone's empowered, then you go ahead and shit on them all you want because then they have power. But, you know, up the playing field, bitch. I'm, I'm over it. So that, that I feel like is good. And I feel like those who have been marginalized through a lot of bullshit, are coming together and saying, yeah, nah, not really. And then they can have all the feelings they want. Oh my God, I love it so much. You can find Corona Borealis, Liz Winstead's special on Vimeo On Demand. Yes. Thank you, Liz. Thanks. And that's all we have for this week. Thanks again for listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. You can find us on all the social media at I Love Funny Women and find us on YouTube as well. This podcast was written by me and Lalita D. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dina Nina Martinez and Lalita D on Instagram at Lalita D Comedy. Find our glamorous Dorgo Greg on Instagram at Gigi Potter. And our guest Liz Winstead is on Instagram at Liz Winstead. And of course, we love our announcer, Krista Garner, and she's on Instagram at Krista Garner. This podcast is an Artemis Glow Studio production in association with Crossover Media and AMG. See you over on YouTube or next week right here.